Okay, so we have Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, sorry, yep. having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwelcome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Billabong. Is this on? Testing, one, two. Hello, hello. Do I need to press anything? It is on. It says on, there's a light. The mute is not on. The mute is not on. Just use the hand and, oh, okay. Okie dokie. Ooh, that's better. Good morning, Billabong. Welcome to part eight of a series looking into the book of Ephesians. It's titled, Therefore, or alternatively known as, ah, Luke's gone. What are we supposed to do now? <laughs> series. Um, okay, so before we start, um, first things first, I like um, s- limited word slides that are nice and big and easy to see, so don't be afraid if you see giant words like that appearing. Um, Now, I kind of feel like um, an important part of this series was to hear about things from different perspectives and in different ways, which is why we've had sermons from such people as Aaron and John and Aaron and John 
Um, oh, anyway, my, my, my point is that today you get to hear from me, and I'm a bit different. For instance, I, I like, like my dad before me, have a very short attention span. Um, anything longer than like 15 minutes, and I get really distracted. Um, so you're going to be hearing a short sermon today. Ah, there's some other people. Um, plus, even if I did go long in my sermon, my thoughts would just get all really abstract and obscure, and we'd all just be lost and confused. Anyway, therefore, tell you what, I did a quick search of the word therefore in my Bible app. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty cool word, and it's actually associated with a bunch of really famous passages, such as Matthew 6, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. James 5, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And a, a fantastic one in Matthew 28, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's also some really weird ones, especially if you take them out of context. Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, therefore, I am going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. <laughs> Jeremiah 12, 8, she roars at me, therefore I hate her. <laughs> Hosea 13, 3, therefore they will disappear like the morning mist, like dew in the morning sun, like chaff blown by the wind, like smoke from a chimney. Now, for those of you who were here last week, you got to hear from the beginning of Ephesians 4. Um, my sister Rachel did that talk, and it was super awesome, and it took us through to what she called the big therefore which is kind of the turning point in Ephesians. She delved into the concept of unity, where Paul talks of the joining of the Jews and the Gentiles under a new people. And we now know it as Christians. Yeah, Christians. So now we're into the second half of Ephesians, and it very much follows on from the first half. Whilst the first half talks about the big conceptual what's and why's, we now go into the hows. In particular, how do we live? Now, I'm a brass player and a brass instrument teacher. And one of the first and most important concepts I teach my students is how to breathe. The first question I ask them is, do you know how to breathe? Of course, the answer is yes. Without breathing, we have no life. And it makes it rather tricky to come to a trombone lesson if you can't breathe. But you see, there's a difference between breathing just to be alive and breathing really well. I'd like to try a little exercise with you all now. Can I get everyone to breathe in and then breathe out? Ready? Breathe in. Breathe out. Okay. Now, when we breathe in, we are breathing into our gut. Okay. I've got a nice big gut here. Now, Doug was like, oh, no, don't wander around because the camera will have to move. But I'm, oh, it's okay. I'll just show you my gut. Um, when we breathe, we are filling our gut. We when we're kids, we're taught that air goes into our lungs. But we don't want to expand our lungs like this because that constricts your neck muscles. Okay? So I want you all to breathe again. And as you breathe, I want you to puff out your tummy. Ready? Three, two, one. And then push it back in. Good, good, good. Don't do this. Not good. Now you all know how to breathe properly. Well, at least the beginning. I'll, I'll, this is a whole 30-minute exercise, so I, I don't want to waste time on this. We can breathe just to live, or we can breathe with purpose and control. We can live 
just to be alive, or we can live with purpose and control. To what purpose, though? Now, Paul makes a big comparison um, in Ephesians 4 to give us a bit of context to the way in which he recommends we live. Don't live as the Gentiles do, live as Jesus did and as Jesus instructed. You know what, though? The word Gentiles isn't really used in our modern-day language, okay? You don't go up into the street and say, hey, are you a Gentile? It's, it's not, not really valid, it's, it's not contextual. So let's replace the word Gentiles with the world. Don't live as the world does, live as Jesus did. And that requires us to live differently. Now, if you take nothing from my sermon today, these are the two words I want you to remember. Live differently. Okay, now I've brought along a little um, prop today, um, and this is a relic of times gone past. Um, I don't know if you can see it. Um, this is, oh, I'll explain it later. Um, but back when I was really little, my parents moved our family to Melbourne. Um, and as part of that move, they decided to buy me the best present of all time, a Nintendo 64. Now, since then, I've played a heap of different video games through my life, but some of the early ones I played had one of these that came with them. This is an instruction manual. You see, whilst I'm not that old, I'm old enough to know that back then, when you got a game, you couldn't just Google to find out the answers on how to play it. You couldn't watch YouTube tutorials. You couldn't ask Reddit for help. You had this little book and your own wits. Now, before I played a game, I would pour through the booklet. I would try to find whatever I could to give me an edge. And whenever I'd get stuck in a certain level, the instruction booklet would come out and I would try and find it a, a place that could help me to give me some assistance. Now, Ephesians and the other letters Paul writes to the local churches are like ancient instruction booklets. There are how to be a Christian for dummies of the first century. But what would it look like if Paul wrote us a letter to our modern day church? What would he say? Now, it seems to me that the world that we live in, in is, is, whilst it's vastly different in a number of ways, is actually similar to Paul's. The world is self-centered. Every man, woman, child for themselves. The world is driven to and by sin. And the world brings people down and thrives on greed. These two worlds, ours and Paul's, are worlds apart. But they still follow the same rules. I think that if Paul were to write us a letter, it would actually be quite similar to the one he wrote the Ephesians, but I think he would get straight to the point. So now I'm going to share with you a reading from Billabonians, chapter 4, verses 17 to 32, CMV, the complete Malachi version. <laughs> Dear Billabonians, you have sat through many a sermon through the years about how awesome Jesus Christ is. You have heard many a preacher discuss all manner of principles and learnings of the gospel, yet there is something more I need you to do. And it's not going to be easy. The world at large lives their lives a certain way. You have to live differently. You've got to live how Christ lived. Living differently. Now we want to live differently with purpose and with control. Paul tells us our purpose is to live like Jesus did. And then he goes on in his instructions to show us how to with control. Don't lie, tell the truth. Don't steal, share with those in need. Don't say mean things, build up others with your words. 
Paul lists a bunch of things that we shouldn't do and then provides an alternative. Tell you what, this is a really fantastic teaching technique um, and something that I've learned in my studies to become a teacher. Kids don't react well when you tell them that they're not supposed to do something. When Annalise and I were looking through videos to try and find one of Alex crying, there was so many. Oh. <laughs> anyway, well, I was actually thinking, oh, I can actually make her cry and video it, but I'm like, oh, I can't do that. That's just too mean. <laughs> now, Alex isn't old enough to understand why or even understand alternative options. That being said, it's sometimes really easy to distract her with an alternative option. But she just doesn't get it and if you tell her no that's just the ultimate betrayal <laughs> a message of hope doesn't hold well with people if it's full of negatives if you want to build someone up and create change show them the good that can come with change rather than focusing on the bad that results without it now with this don't lie tell the truth don't steal share with those in need it, it can seem quite black and white the world versus christians good versus bad what to do versus what not to do bruce banner versus the hulk but the truth of the matter, and something that both Christians and non-Christians sometimes seem to miss, is that things are rarely black and white. The way we live is not just like two sides of a coin. In fact, and I've got a prop here, it's more like this 20-sided dice. I have a collection of dice here. 20-sided dice. It's not just a one or the other. There is a scale and a range of possibilities and decisions that lead our lives in different directions. If we don't limit ourselves to the one good way and the one bad way, then we, there's creative solutions and approaches to ministry are possible. If we understand this, then there's hope for the major conflict that lies in living our lives as followers of Jesus whilst still reaching out to the world we live in. Make disciples of all nations. I mentioned it at the beginning. That's the calling, right? But how do you do that whilst living life differently? Can we have Christ-centered lives, yet also minister effectively to the lost? If we keep just being our uber-Christian selves and separating ourselves entirely from the world, how will we reach the world? Jesus himself ate with tax collectors. He chatted by wells and drank wine with his friends. Differently doesn't mean completely separate, but it does require some creativity. That being said, it's super easy to be pulled into the ways of the world, and it's a real struggle to find balance, but it's a struggle that we're called to live. The hope is that when non-Christians see the lives that we live, they see something really good and something that they want to be a part of. But how is that working? How does the world see Christians right now? How do the younger generation of non-Christians see us? How do the older generations of non-Christians see us? And how do we want them to? These are, these are tricky questions. And sure, they're, they're totally contextual to whatever time or situation or location you're in. But they're always good questions to ask yourselves. 
Now, at the beginning, I said that this talk was about the hows that Ephesians 4 covers. So let me give you a sneak peek into one of the ways in which I try and live the life that Paul describes. Now, uh, I get to hang out on, with a bunch of youth every Friday night as a leader of Amplify, this church's youth group. Rachel mentioned this same thing last week, so bear with me if you're getting feelings of deja vu. Um, this for me, this Amplify, this youth group, is an outlet in which I get to demonstrate Christian living. That is, showing the younger generation, some of them Christian, some of them not, how I live differently. Now, living a Christian life can be a bit of a struggle sometimes when you're at school or uni or in your workplace. But trust me, at youth group, it's a fantastic supportive environment to practice and show off your Christian life. Through how we speak to the teenagers, to the sacrifices we make for them, and even to the sorts of activities we run, us leaders do it in a way that attempts to honour Christ. Now, how do the teens in the group see us? Well, you'd have to ask them. But I'm hoping that they think we're a little different, a little strange, but in a good way. That there's something in us leaders that sets us apart from the norm. Now, what does your how look like? Where are you showing the world your Christian life? Remember, this is different to serving at church. Playing in a worship band or helping pack away chairs after a Sunday service is awesome and it's super fulfilling, but to a non-Christian, means next to nothing. How do you interact with your friends who aren't believers? Do you have friends who aren't believers? What steps or activities are you doing to live differently? Is it being seen and is it working? Now, I said it'd be a short sermon, and we're getting to the end, so I'd like to invite the worship band up um, as I finish up. But I'm going to leave you to finish with um, a bit of encouragement um, from the Son of Man himself. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and, give, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.